Good morning. Well, I'm glad you're here. We're in a sermon series called Core. It's looking at really the core, our core commitments as a church, three big core commitments. Uh, Last week, we talked about how Jesus changes everything. This week, what we're going to be talking about is that we grow better together. We are less connected than ever before. Social media has made it easy to, to know what's going on. It's easy to know what's happening with friends in California or Florida or wherever. But we're less connected. We're more isolated than, than ever before, I think, in, at least in our lifetime. People don't talk as much. They don't, they don't communicate as much. We're not, because of the pandemic, we're not around folks as much. And it's a problem. The CDC... The Center for Disease Control has the, this is directly from their website. It says this, social isolation significantly increased a person's risk of premature death from all causes, a risk that may rival those of smoking, obesity, and physical inactivity. Social isolation. Social isolation has associated with a 50% increased risk of dementia. Poor social relationships characterized by social isolation or loneliness was associated with a 29% increased risk of heart disease and a 32% increased risk of stroke. And this shouldn't surprise you. Loneliness was associated with higher risk rates of depression, anxiety, and suicide. To quote the astronauts in Apollo 13, Houston, we've got a problem. This is a real problem. People need people. Why the, why the 12-step uh, uh, programs work is that it, it brings people together and it says people need people, that we can't, we can't overcome our, our, our situations all on our own. We can't be lone rangers. People need people. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven kind of has a, oh, the places you will go ring to it. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope in a future. When you call on me and come and pray to me, I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you. Oh, the places you'll go on your own? (laughs) That's disaster. Oh, the places you'll go with God? That's where the hope is. Jesus changes everything. Last week's message. But Jesus doesn't barge in. Jesus doesn't break down walls. Jesus, what does he say in Revelation 3? Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. I like the way the King James Version reads that. It, it doesn't say, here I am. It says, behold. Behold. I'm on your doorstep. Behold. The King of Kings is on your porch. What are you going to do about that? Behold. Behold. After 2,000 years after Jesus uttered those words, right, the invitation is still on the table. Just follow me. And if you follow me, oh, the places. We can go. If you just follow me, then, 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 then you can make it. That's Jesus' point. See, I think what happens is, for a lot of us, maybe we bumped our head on an altar and we say, okay, following Jesus. But in the reality, what's happening is we're wanting Jesus to follow us. And there's a big difference between us following Jesus and Jesus following us. I think the first 18 years of my life, it was I wanting Jesus to follow me. I wanted Jesus to be there, right? I don't want to go someplace without Jesus. But it wasn't me following Jesus. It was saying, hey, Jesus, this is where I'm going. Why don't you tag along? 
Hey, Jesus, this is, what I'm, this is my plans. This is where I'm, what, what I'm about. And if you want to come, that'd be, that'd be great. I'd, I'd love for you to tag along. That's not the same as saying, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope in the future. It's saying, I need your plans, not my plans. I need your future, not my, not what I think is best for me. I need what you think is best for me. That's what it's saying. And the question is, are we going to follow after him? Are we growing? That's our key word for today, right? We grow better together. You think, Pastor, how are we? We haven't gotten there yet. Are we growing better together? And the key words, I think, again, back from Luke one thirty-seven. all the places we'll go, it, it only happens as we go with God. If we want to have the great conclusion to our life, it happens as we go with God. It's um, recognizing that Jesus doesn't call us to be lone rangers. He doesn't, he doesn't just parachute us and we say yes to him and he parachutes us into enemy territory and says, okay, you're on your own, buddy. <laughs> Do the best you can. No, we're part of a family. We need each other. That goes back to the beginning points. We really do need each other. I wish, I wish Dr. Seuss would have said, oh, the places we will go. Um, several years ago now, we have a, a lady that attends our church, Dr. Lena Jindal. She's a pediatrician. And she started attending Central. And she had been coming for a couple of years. And both, it's interesting, both Carla and I had the same conversation with Dr. Lena. In fact, I told Carla this week, I said, I need to talk to Dr. Lena because if I'm going to mention you in a sermon, if you're not named Carla, then I ask your permission first. And so I told Carla I needed to talk to Dr. Lena because I wanted to tell this story. And I told her the story and she says, that didn't happen to you. I had that conversation with Dr. Lena. I said, no, I had that conversation. So we were going back and forth who had the conversation with Dr. Lena. And so yesterday I talked to Dr. Lena. She said, well, you both had that conversation with me. So we were both right. And the conversation was this. I can't remember what we were talking about, um, but something about Central Church. And Dr. Lena said, you know, uh, that's how you do things at your church. And I interrupted her. I said, no, that's how we do things at our church. It's not, it's not my church, Lena. It's our church. You're part of us. She'd been coming for a couple years. She had had the same conversation with Carla. Carla, you know, the same thing. That's what you're doing things at your church. And Carla said, no, Lena, you're part of our church. It's our church. That's the pronoun we need to use, our. It's us. You know, we do this uh, try five challenge, right? That's what we've been doing since the beginning of the year. We want you to try us out. If you're brand new, we want you to try us out five times. Can I tell you the secret? Okay. If you're you're doing the try five challenge, just plug your ears because this is the secret for the rest of us. My goal for the try five challenge is not for you to just complete the challenge. My goal is for you to get to the place where you don't call Central Church, oh, that's that church on Bristol Road. Or that's my parents' church. Or that's my co-workers' church. Or that's my friend's church. No, the goal is for you to say, it's my church. Those are my people. That's, 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 that's who I am. We grow better together. That's what we're talking about here. It's saying we... We need each other. We grow better together. When we're part of the family of God, we... Well, it is that. It's family. There's a a social scientist, psychologist, 
A guy by the name of, of Yuri Bron Fenbrenner. Bron Fenbrenner. What a great name. It'd be terrible to pronounce all the time, but that's his name. And this is what he said about family. He said, a family is a group which possesses and implements an irrational commitment to the well-being of its members. Keyword, irrational commitment. You're saying, we're, this is who we are. As, as people of God, in the family of God, if we're going to grow better together, that means that we, we have this irrational commitment. We're circle the wagons kind of people. You're going through it. You're going through a tough time. You're going through, through, through trouble at, at home, at work, at school, wherever. We are, we are in it together. We have this irrational commitment to one another. That's what we need to be. When we talk about growing better together, it's saying, saying when you're part of the family of God, when you say yes to Jesus, Jesus changes everything. And then it's, oh, the places we will go. And we have this irrational commitment to seeing, making sure that you get to, to where you need to go. That we come alongside you. That when you're going through it, we may not have the answers. We may not have any words to say. Sometimes, you know, you just need to sit with people. Sometimes the best thing you can do is just be there. It's saying we have an irrational, we may not be able to fix it. We may not be able to give you the, the, you know, follow these five steps and you'll be golden. But we can do this. We have this irrational, you can count on us. We've got your back. We're there for you. One of my favorite stories in the Bible regarding that are the, I've preached on this so many times, you're probably sick of it. But I love it. I love the irrational commitment that the, that the guys have in Mark chapter 2 for their friend. Remember those guys? They're, that's the story where Jesus is coming to a town and these friends of this guy hear that Jesus is coming and they've heard uh, some of the things that Jesus can do. That, you know, he can heal people. He can heal people. And they have a friend who needs healing. He's paralyzed. And so he can't get there on his own. He's paralyzed. And so they, they gather themselves and they go get their friend and they take him to Jesus. But when they get to Jesus, everybody's heard that Jesus is in town. And everybody's heard that Jesus can do some healing. And so the house is just crowded out. And one of them gets this bright idea of going up onto the roof. And I don't know the guy's name. The Bible doesn't tell us the, the lame guy's name. So let's just, let's just call him Charlie. We got to get Charlie. Let's get Charlie up on the roof and, and then we'll, you know, make a hole in the roof and we'll lower him down to see Jesus. Now, don't think that the Bible is, is for the destruction of other people's property. Uh, you know, roofs in those days, there were big cross beams and they'd fill those cross beams with mud and reeds and stuff. So it wasn't a big deal to fix, you know, the hole in the roof. Speaking of roofs, we got an estimate on the cost of our roof, our roof, you know, over most of this building is 27 years old, and the life of the roof, they said, was 25 years old, and we've got little leaks springing up, and so we got a cost estimate. We're not, we're not putting, like, this is not St. Peter's Basilica. We are not putting gold over the roof. You know, it's just regular roof, roof stuff. And as you can tell, I'm very technical when it comes to these things. It's just roof stuff. Are you sitting down? Oh, you are sitting down. I need to sit down. $400,000. So, if you have $400,000, then you can talk to me after the service. Anyway, these guys aren't doing $400,000 worth of damage. They're just digging a hole in the roof so they can lower their friend, Charlie, to see Jesus. 
And I love that story because they do it, you know, and I can just imagine Jesus is, is speaking. You can hear a pin drop. Somebody hears something going up on the, something up on the roof. I don't know. It sounds like something's up on the roof. And then, you know, when, if it's made out of mud, you know, some of that mud and junk is going to start falling down on people and everybody starts looking up. And what do they see? They see these guys and then there's big chunks falling down on everybody and they're all looking up. And they see this guy being lowered, and I love how Mark describes it in Luke or in Mark two, verse five. When Jesus saw, do you notice? When Jesus saw, not Charlie's faith. When Jesus saw their faith. Usually in the Bible, it's Jesus sees a person that's needy and heals that person. Jesus talks to the person that's needy, heals that person. Jesus, you know, recognizes the need, meets the need. But here. When Jesus saw their faith, they had this irrational commitment to the well-being of their friend. And they said, even if that means digging a hole in a neighbor's roof, we're willing to do that if that means getting my friend to Jesus. Oh, I wish we had that same type of commitment. Don't go putting holes in your neighbor's roof. But oh, I wish we had that same type of commitment. They said, we're going to care for people. We're going, to let, we're going to do whatever it takes. That's what this is amounting to. We're going to do whatever it takes to get our friend to Jesus. That's what's going on here. Oh, the places we will go with God. Oh, the places we will go with Jesus. If we are that circle of wagons kind of people doing whatever it takes. Those guys, those guys in Mark 2, they're following our core commitments, Right? They believe that, that Jesus changes everything. They've got to get their friend to Jesus. They have this, this irrational uh, commitment to one another. They're growing better together. And they're, well, okay, maybe they have work to do on being the best neighbors. They did dig a hole in there. But, you know, probably they went the next day. I'm sure they went the next day. Mark doesn't tell us. But the next day they went and fixed the roof and gave the guy, you know, a gift card to Donna's or something. I don't know. Here's the deal. We went to... To not only recognize that Jesus changes everything in your life. Jesus may not fix everything. You jump off a building, you're going to go splat. But Jesus changes everything. But when you accept that invitation of Jesus to follow me, you're not just, it's not just Jesus and you on the Jericho Road. You're saying, I need to be a part of Jesus' family. And that means, as being part of Jesus' family, that, that we, we do better, we, we, we are better when we're growing together. Again, when I'm talking about growing, I'm not talking about, you know, the 29 pounds of pandemic weight. And I'm not even talking about growing uh, numerically here, although I think that will happen. When good things are happening and God is working, uh, people will hear about... This morning, just this morning, I'm going through McDonald's to get my coffee and and I go through and, and the normal lady who has come here to church, the normal lady takes my money, she's come to church here, thanks to, to Norm Wing, and, and, and I've talked to her a, a few times, and she's been here to church. Uh, her name is Karen. She's been here to church. But I didn't know the lady that, that gave me my coffee had been talking with Karen. And so I get there to this morning, and, and she says, boy, I, we need to get, I need to get to church, and I need to get my son in church, and we've got a five-year-old grandson that needs to be in church. And I'm talking to her, and there's like cars lining up behind me at 6 a.m., you know, at McDonald's. And I'm talking to her about how, yeah, they need to get in church, and we're talking about it, and the car's behind me. I'm thinking, boy, they're getting mad at me. And so I kind of pull up a little bit, but she keeps talking, so I kept talking. 
When God is doing good things, when, when, your, when your friends and your neighbors see that Jesus changes everything in you, then, then that produces some. So sometimes there's numerical growth. I'm not, even, I'm not talking even about financial growth, although I think sometimes that happens when people discover that Jesus changes everything, then generosity becomes part of their life, and so that, that affects the way we, we spend our money. No, I'm talking about something deeper. What, what Paul talks about in Ephesians 4. Paul says this. He says, then we will no longer, then goes back to the verse before that, verse 13, when he talks about how, how we have unity in the faith and how we are, have knowledge of Jesus as the Son of God and we're attaining the whole measure of Christ and we really recognize that Jesus changes everything. Once Jesus changes everything, then we will no longer be infants who wants to be a baby, tossed back and forth by the waves. I was going to do a corny joke there. It must be a baby buoy instead of boy. Never mind. It was just a dumb joke. I know we're moving along. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind and teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, here it comes, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. From him, the whole body, that means all of us, joining together, all of us, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. We need everybody, in other words. That's Paul's point. Listen, I want to grow. I don't want to be where I was last week, last month, last year. I want to grow. And I want you to grow. I want us to grow. And becoming the people of God who have this irrational commitment to one another. And oh, when we do that, oh, the places we will go with Jesus. Oh, the, you know, our prayer around here is that, is that God's kingdom would come and his will would be done in Flint as it is in heaven, right? If you've been around here, you've heard us say that all the time. That's a pretty big, audacious prayer. Because you know it. When you go outside of this area and you, you know, you're down in Florida catching some sun for a couple days and somebody comes up to you, oh, where are you from? And you say, I'm from Flint. You know their response, oh, Flint. Happens all the time. But I believe that, that God Almighty is up to something in Flint. And I believe that God has work to do in Flint and that he is going to use a people like us who have this irrational commitment to each other who recognize that Jesus has changed us and Jesus changes everything and that then that flows into next week's sermon that we can be the best neighbors and make a difference, a huge difference in our community, in in our town and in our village and wherever we go because Jesus changes everything and that makes all the difference. So we're at the so what part of the sermon and we got to go. So what, preacher? What does this have to do with me? Here's, here's, here's what, I, what I wish for you. I wish, oh, I'm a Nazarene. I shouldn't say this. I wish you'd be like a gambler. If, if you played the whatever million dollar lottery, I think it was the, the winning ticket was, was bought in Maine. So I don't think it was... Michigan, you know, I was gonna, if it was in Michigan, I'd say, you know, the devil's had that money long enough. It's time, you know, Jesus gets some to build a roof, to put a roof. But I wish you would be like a poker player. And what happens when the poker player has, you know, what's the best hand, a royal flush? They know they got the royal flush. 
And so what do they do? When you know, when you know, you're guaranteed to win. What do you do when you have a royal flush in your hand? You know you're going to win. There's nothing that, uh, whoever you're playing against cannot beat you. She got the royal flush. So what do you do? If you're a gambler, not that I'm approving of that. What do you do? You push all your chips in. Say, I'm all in. I cannot lose. I'm all in. That's what I want for you. I want you to recognize when Jesus is on your side, all the places we will go. I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope in the future. You cannot lose. 100% guaranteed. You cannot lose. I need you to be all in. Jesus changes everything. We need to grow together. We're going to be the best neighbors. We're all in. We want to see God work in our community so that when, when we go someplace, when we go to Florida to catch race, people will say, man, what is going on in Flint? And we'll say, Jesus is working in Flint. That's what's going on in Flint. Lord, that's our prayer. We recognize we can't do anything without you. Jesus changes everything. That's true for us individually, but Lord, it's much, much, much bigger than just as individuals. You want to change our town. You want to change Genesee County. You want people to come to know you and, and to, to, to experience the power of your, of your love and your glory. And Lord, we believe that happens when people like us have an irrational commitment to each other. When we are decided we're going to grow together, we've got each other's back, we are, we are with one another, and then we are the best neighbors. And it's so obvious that our neighbors, that our neighbors can't, can't dispute it. There's something there, there's something going on. Lord, that's what we want. We believe you're up to something in Flint, and we want to be a part of it. So thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. Thank you for this great day. Be with us as we leave from this place. In Jesus' name, amen.